0: It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Fraser and Chucky G, where that journey begins. We are live, this is Paranormal Underground Radio, in the dark, with your hosts, Chucky G, and Karen Frazier. And I can hear Cheryl, too. Hi, Cheryl. Yes, and Cheryl, too. No, I
1: can hear Cheryl, too. Well, you
0: can hear me, but I was on mute, but
2: maybe people can hear me now, I don't
0: know. So, our guest tonight is uh, Don Allison, author of I Met a Ghost at Gettysburg, a journalist Journey into the paranormal. Uh, But anyways, yes, Don Allison, he was here before, though, right? Yeah, he's
1: the Gettysburg guy. He has updates.
0: Oh, as I say we're bringing him back, so he's got updates. Okay, uh, and then we have our correspondent, which is Maria Anna Vandriel. She's done lots of them before, actually. Uh, doing I don't want to hear. I listened to the one about shadow people, which is really cool. And then we have uh, MJ12, who created who. So it's actually pretty interesting. It's about I think about seven minutes long. So um, you'll have to listen to that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see what he's going to add to the talk about Gettysburg ghosts. Seems I that know. Just, Seems like there's a lot of people who talk about ghosts as far as Gettysburg. I mean, why? Why do you think that is? I mean, just because? Well, beca-
1: because it's haunted.
0: Well, no, I mean, but you know, there's other, there's other battlefields. You're
1: looking for a more specific answers,
0: yeah, a more specific. <laughs> but I think that probably <laughs> other
1: battlefields have hauntings as well. I think yeah. that you know, anytime there's, and it's not necessarily when I say a haunting, I mean it in this uh, parapsychological sense that you know, it's possibly even just a residual recording of what's happened. Okay. So I just think that 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 energy and that emotion creates an imprint. It records.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I was just meaning, you know, like why is it so? Like it's you know, whenever you when you talk about this stuff in battlefields, it's always Gettysburg. It's very prominent. You know what I mean? Where It is, up- it is, but
3: there are a lot of
1: places that are like that, that are super prominent and some of it's hype. I don't think, I don't know. I've never been to Gettysburg, so I don't know whether that is the case or not.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. But uh, you know, some of it places are very hyped. Some places aggressively pursue being marketing, marketing themselves as being haunted. Again, I don't think that's necessarily the case with, with Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, name any other places on American, American soil, soil where American, an American, American war, I mean, a war, you know, I'm sure that there were a lot of skirmishes and things uh, between um, indigenous people right. before white Europeans got here. And right. um, I'm sure that those have imprinted on the land as well. But we don't know about those like we know about Gettysburg
0: okay. and like mm.
1: we know about the Civil War.
0: So. Okay. So we on, were on hiatus. Did you have a good hiatus?
1: Yeah, I do want to just, uh, at the top of the show, mention to our listeners, I, I'm very sorry. I am downstairs tonight. The dogs are near me. They may bark, but it is cold as bleep upstairs where <laughs> I go to get away from the dogs. And I didn't want to die doing the show. Oh, and good. so I am downstairs.
0: <laughs> Although, yeah, otherwise you'd be part of the paranormal show we're talking about. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I just... Yeah, I just been...
1: good How about you?
0: i just been chilling, you know, going to work, uh, did some readings and, you know, connecting with people and trying to get my website up and stuff. But, I mean, nothing, nothing hugely, you know, I need to talk about. I mean, just, you know, just chilling.
1: Trying to get your website up or actually indeed doing
0: it? Well, it's almost done now. Um, uh, The lady, Kathy Kohler, who's been working on it for me, uh, like, nonstop uh it looks it looks really really good so uh, we're almost there i've just been adding stuff to it and putting books and resource information so people can go to other places and check things out and so yeah it's it's almost there it's almost done so it's good
1: i've been redecorating my living room and trying to find a way to make the stupid cat not scratch the furniture
0: i know i know like all the different some of the furniture you had in there what was the deal with the was there a chair in the corner and was it a cat on there or a dog on there or something there was a was chair a in, cat
1: on there a, but that was the chair that we actually have for the animals because they're not going to be allowed on. We got, we, we have two new couches, a love seat and one more chair coming. And so we, and we have three new chairs. It's a very big room. Um, And so, I mean, it's not just, you know, crammed with furniture where you stumble and crash into furniture all the time or anything. (laughs) There's actually room for all of that furniture in the house. And so the dogs have up until now been allowed on all of the furniture. Well, they're going to be allowed on one couch And the other two couch, the couch and the love seat, no, and the chair, no. So we got them their own chair. Gotcha. And the cat has like these little kitty cap, kitty claw caps on her paws, so that (laughs) so now when she attempts to scratch the furniture, it's really pathetic. But it was either that or um, get rid of her or have Mm -hmm. her declawed. Now, I haven't been able to find anybody to take her, even though we're allergic to cats, so. You know, and I'm, hey, by the way, listeners, it's not like I went out and got a cat and I'm trying to get rid of it. This cat was starving in our garage, was supposed to die because she supposedly had long-term liver damage. And, well, well eight years later, eight years later, she's still not dead.
0: So, <laughs> Lord, what a way to put it. Anyways, if she, anywho.
1: If, she, if she scratches the new couch. It's a possibility. So, yes, with the little kitty claw caps now, she, like, tries to scratch, and she just sort of slides off of it. It's really kind of sad. (laughs) And when she walks, they're just like these little rubberized plastic kind of caps. When she walks now, she makes this little thud, thud, thud noise with her feet. Oh, my God. The poor cat. (laughs) Well, but what am I supposed to do? Uh, I mean, we've tried Uh everything. We've tried everything to get her. The reason we're redoing the the living room is because she... She destroyed thousands of dollars worth of furniture.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I could see it then, I suppose. So I, I, I do have some news coming back. I got some just little small little quips, not really long ones, but, you know, some weird stuff I found. So if, right. we, could, if we could roll that, Cheryl, can we roll that? Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for news of the strange. And- <laughs> Check this out. So this is weird. This, is, this, this one was titled, Beware of the Car-Licking Moose. Yes, the
1: Car-Licking car-
0: Moose? Moose, yes. A uh, warning has gone out to motorists. Beware of moose licking the salt off the side of car. The alert, which has been issued by the government of Alberta, was prompted by cases of moose approaching and licking vehicles in Peter Lougheed Provincial Park. Recommending a moose viewing distance of 30 meters, officials have suggested using a car horn or remote door alarm to scare the creatures away. If there's no natural source of salt available, they will find an alternative salt, like the salt from the roads of your vehicle. The phenomenon has since been affectionately known as Rocky Mountain Car Wash. So you're going to be sitting there, and you're like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny. You're driving along. Oh, look at the moose! And he just comes.
1: Oh, it's like going through one of those. We have one of those um, drive-through wild animal. They're not wild animals, but you know the drive-through parks where like um, buffalo stick their yeah. head in the your yeah. car and and all of that. Yeah. I mean, so it would be like that. Only you don't have to pay the price of admission.
0: Oh, you just see this giant tongue licking the top of your. Car and just that's crazy. Those things, you know,
1: are- I have four dogs. I see tongues coming at me all the time.
0: <laughs> I'm not touching that one. They're all dogs. right, I understand. Yes, so the next one is now this not is like kind of interesting
1: peanut butter anywhere <laughs> and encouraging it. <laughs>
0: Uh this was called zombies could wipe out humanity in 100 in 100 days.
1: I one- know because that's one of my that's one of my lightning round questions.
0: Is it? Oh, all right, I'll check this out. So it's I guess this this comes from the same spot. A new study has suggested that it would not Take any longer for a zombie apocalypse to wipe out mankind than 100 days. The research, which was conducted by uh, physics students at the University of Leicester, was based on the assumption that each zombie would be able to locate at least one victim each day, and that they would have a 90% chance of infecting anyone they had happened to come in contact with. After approximately 100 days, the study suggests there would be a mere 273 human survivors, a figure that would make even The Walking Dead seem like an optimistic scenario by comparison. On the plus side, however, the researchers also determined that if mankind did happen to find a way to combat the zombies, there there would be a good chance of population recovery in the long run. The team's findings are based on, I guess they call it sir, which is Susceptible Infectious Recovery Model, which is used traditionally for calculating the spread of real diseases through the population. So 100 days, man. That's it. Boom. Well,
1: but okay, but you also think about that the reason it would go so fast is because the number of zombies increases exponentially because they become infected. So mm-hmm. then you have more people each day
0: mm-hmm. yep. doing like, it too. So, like, so yeah. Um, domino effect. So, you know, um, you know, if this ever happens, we're, we're, we're pretty much screwed. I understand how like 273 people are left. How would that, well, took that's over.
1: because they use, they use like a complicated mathematical model. So my, my guess is that they started with the, whatever the population of the earth is. And then however many percentage of those, and then they just did some mathematical modeling based on that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 273, the next day they're all gone.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Unless they're really good at hiding, unless they're <laughs> like the hide and seek <laughs> champions of the world
0: not very tasty one of the two i don't know that's pretty creepy um another one i have is this one is really weird when i saw this title because it says man's front door was bricked up as he slept okay so this would like yeah this would totally freak me out um so okay a man in germany reportedly got up on monday morning to find that someone had bricked up his front door the bizarre incident which took place earlier this year saw a homeowner in say Mannhausen come face to face with a solid brick wall. When he tried to leave through his front door, whoever was responsible had seemingly crept into his garden in the middle of the night and built this wall while he was sound asleep. It remains unclear whether the stunt was intended as a mischievous prank or as an act of revenge. However, local authorities believe that several people must have been involved. It reminded me of the building of the Berlin wall. Said a police spokesman that went up pretty quick too. So could you imagine that? I mean.
1: Well, yeah. So to me, it seems like just on the magnitude, but bigger of the prank where you do the saran wrap across yep. the toilet.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or, yeah. But then, you know, think about it. Didn't how back do back you home?
1: not hear that?
0: I don't understand. Because that has to must be sleep be serious like noise.
1: He must take like Ambien or Sleep <laughs> Like the Dead or something. I mean.
0: You know, slamming bricks down and putting the mortar on. You would probably. think. Plus, because- you know, you have. Go ahead. Honestly, the,
1: if you, if water drips a hundred yards from my house, I'm like, what was that? <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm.
0: see, I'd probably, be the, I'd probably be the guy that woke up and said, what the hell happened? Cause I sleep so soundly, but oh, you know, there you has did. to be a back door, right? I mean, so you got the front well, door. I mean, did
1: they, yeah. I mean, so clearly they didn't intend to like kill him in his house. No. Plus he has the technology to call and say, help. I'm bricked into my home.
0: Well, so, technology works. That is you know you never you never know well, cuz we know how technology is right
1: yeah but usually like a cell phone or the internet <laughs> or something a landline something works that's you true. can always send up smoke signals through the fireplace if nothing else
0: that's true i right, know this one is the last one i'm just going to go like pick through really quick so you don't have so much time but this comes from ushitman.com uh, you know, because we've talked about Black Eyed Kids before. There's been uh, no accounts of anyone ever letting one in and living to tell the tale. Evidently, the story was put out there, but it's interesting because there's no name or anything like that. So if it's fictitious or not, I don't know. But this is uh, someone who actually encountered them but lived to tell the tale, I suppose. So, a
1: friend's cousin's uncle's best friend. Yeah,
0: probably. It says um, what happened was he, was he was sitting in his bedroom at home he heard a knock on the door. He says it wasn't too late, so he goes, I didn't hesitate to open the door. He goes, when he opened it, there were two cha- children staying there. Both were kind of looking down at the floor. He said, yeah, can I help you? The taller one said, yeah, uh, we got lost, and my in my my friend here, he needs to use the bathroom. Can we come in and, you know, make a phone call and use your facilities? And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. He says, um, I live in an area that's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, so I could see them, you know, possibly getting lost. So, so he lets them in. He says, the first word thing is when the kids come in, the one kid walks straight up, goes right up the stairs and goes right to the bathroom like he knew right what where it was. He didn't even tell him where he had to go. The other one said, kind of use the phone. He said, yes. The other one went straight to the phone. He said, um, when he walked down the hall to where the one was uh, by the phone, he said, uh, the boy just kind of stopped and paused. And he said, is everything okay? Um, When he turned to look at me, that's, he goes, that's when I, he put his head up and I saw his eyes and they were the dark round black eyes. He said, he'll never get that picture out of his head. He goes, I was so scared that I couldn't even scream. <laughs> or as I turned to go down the hall, the other kid was standing at the other end. So he was kind of like boxed in He because I became very dizzy and I struggled to stand up as he walked closer to me and said they had been sent to collect me. That's exactly what he said. They, they said, um, he I couldn't bear to look him in the face. He goes I pushed away from him and ran into the front room and slammed the door shut. He goes, I was in so much shock. I, he goes, I couldn't even think straight. He was after standing against the door for about an hour. He goes, I finally got the courage to pop the door open and run out the back door. So he ran out the back door. Um, Jumped over through the garden and jumped over the fence to his neighbors. Uh, of course, he told the neighbor his story. Of course, his neighbor's a bit skeptic, but they went back to the house to see what was going on, but the kids were already gone. He goes ever since then, he he has dreams of these kids with black eyes reaching out to grab him. Um, he goes and he goes, I hope I never ever see them again. So I mean, he's
1: why didn't he call the
0: police? I don't know. He's just totally, I guess he was getting dizzy, struggling to stand up, which, you know, it, it is part of the folklore. Panic the can do logic. that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Panic, yeah, true.
1: Panic can do that to you, too. Just like
0: the, you know, the draining of the energy or well, whatever, you know.
1: I have a solution.
0: Yeah, you do? A
1: video okay. doorbell that connects to your smartphone.
0: Oh. And then you can just see who's out there before you. Yep, there you go. Right.
1: Well,
0: it was interesting. He said because when they when he opened the door, they were just kind of looking down, so he didn't really, you know, think much of it. But I would, to me, I'd be like, wouldn't someone like look at you and you're they're asking you to come in your house? I mean, it just seemed a little strange that they're looking down the whole time. So I don't know, you know. But um, he, he evidently he lives to tell this tale. So evidently, you can get away from Black Eyed Kids. Just run like hell. That's, that's the theme to this story right here. Run. You know what?
1: If somebody wanders into my... We live off by ourselves. So if somebody comes to my door and says, oh, well, we were just passing by and I need to use mm-hmm. your bathroom, I would immediately call BS because...
0: Yeah. No. Well, you could just push them down the driveway and they just slide all the way down. And you get rid of them really quick.
1: Right now, that is absolutely sure that they would, yes.
0: So that's hopefully, all I deserve-
1: Hopefully, Jim didn't die on his way down the driveway to get to work. So I I see it
0: there. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully he'll be okay. But yeah, that's the news for today. I just wanted to give some little clips and interesting things I found on this uh, other sites I've been on. So it's kind of funny though. I I think the moose one was pretty funny for me. I mean, you you know,
1: like having your car licked by a moose.
0: moose? Yeah. Rocky mountain car wash, baby. There you go. So I've never uh, even,
1: I've seen a moose at like, um, one of those drive-through parks.
0: Well, what were we seeing when I was out by you? Was that a moose or was those it Those elk? were elk. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah.
1: Those, those things were are elk.
0: huge, too. Those things are big animals, man. Well,
1: they're uh, bigger than deer.
0: Yeah. 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 They're, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yep. Yeah, but there you go. So um, we saw
1: elk. I had forgotten that we saw elk, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were driving uh, down the road. You said look to the left and I saw there was a whole bunch of them out oh, in the field. Oh, Yeah.
1: When we were down, when we were down along the coast.
0: Yeah. It was cool. Because I've never seen elk, so I mean, not, you know, in the wild anyway. So. You
1: saw all sorts of things while you were here. Yes, Jack?
0: I did. I saw the ocean. I saw a cool ship that was like, well, there was much left of it, but that was really cool. I saw the, the frame, goonies. The frame uh, of
1: the shipwreck. Yeah, you saw yes. the goonies rock. <laughs>
0: That's the coolest part right there.
1: That was like the, I know, of all the things, you see the ocean for the first (laughs) time, but it's the damn Goonies Rock that gets you excited. That's
0: that's how it was. I'm like, oh, look at the ocean. Oh my gosh, the Goonies Rock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we went to that town. What is it? Is is his story? Astoria. Astoria. Yeah, that was cool. So, yeah, I like that. It was fun.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So, I guess we're going to.
1: It's a cool place out here.
0: It is pretty cool. Um, so I guess we're just gonna be talking about some ghostesses tonight. Some ghost, some updates on some ghostesses. I don't know if you're supposed to say ghosts. I,
1: I suspect that that is a fact. That is what we will be doing.
0: Cool. Well, you know, I I'm I have to say that I I have to say it to him too. But I, you know, when you're a, a journalist that does not non paranormal stuff and you decide you're going to come out <laughs> and write something about the paranormal, I mean, you're taking a chance. You know, wouldn't you yes, agree? Yes,
1: that's true. Yes.
0: I mean, you know. All right.
1: Well, let's do this. Let's go to break because apparently my dog wants out. Uh, Ah. Okay. uh, Yeah, we'll go to break. And when we come back, we will be talking with Don Allison, author of I Met a Ghost at Gettysburg. Stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for
2: Paranormal Underground Magazine.
5: And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions.
2: If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit paranormalunderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today.
1: Hey, everyone. If you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today.
0: You are a waste.
3: Nicole Strickland here, California Coordinator for the Oregon Ghost Conference, here to tell you about the 6th annual event which will take place in 2017 on March 31st through April 2nd at the Seaside Civic and Convention Center in beautiful Seaside, Oregon. The Oregon Ghost Conference is the Northwest's largest paranormal convention and attracts visitors from all across the West Coast and beyond. It will have a jam-packed weekend filled with speakers, courses, tours, parties, and so much more. So join us for a weekend of ghosts at the coast to connect with and learn from some of the top paranormal experts in our area. Do not miss this great event. For more information about this fabulous event, please visit its website at oregonghostconference.com. The Oregon Ghost Conference is also available on Facebook and Twitter as well. Happy hauntings!
6: Hey everyone, this is Winter Beofyre, contributor for Paranormal Underground Magazine, correspondent for Paranormal Underground Radio In the Dark, and now I'm very happy to announce a published author. My first poetry book, Love Letters Destroyed, is now available on Amazon.com, Lulu.com, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers. E-books are also available. You can also check out pseudosynthpress.com for information on signed copies. Again that's Love Letters Destroyed by Winter Balefire. Thanks and I hope you enjoy.
7: The Crusaders are commonly thought to have been motivated by their deep Christian faith. Crusades were actually war inspired by the average of medieval ecclesial leaders who were only searching for total power and control. Well played mind games which spoke about demonic forces, witchcraft and deadly possessions many Europeans gave into their fears and banned the truth of an ancient and earthly civilization from their daily lives it became an unknown world not seen by the naked eye but capable of possessing your soul and in the worst case even kills you. In order to keep the people away from the truth it had to be feared forever. Restoring the voice of our people we give back what once was stolen from you. Your freedom in thinking, creating and believing The Source of Immortality written by Maria Anna van Driel www.amazon.com
0: So, you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained.
1: That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal, and along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well.
0: So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on Mixalar.com. You're listening to me, Chuck G, as long as my co-host Karen Frazier, and our wonderful guest, Don Allison, author of I Met a Ghost, at Gettysburg, a Journalist's Journey into the Paranormal. He's been on the show before. I have we have new additions. So welcome to the show, Don.
5: Well, thank you. It's good
0: to be back. Well, it's good to have you. So for for those who maybe didn't hear the last show, um, can you give us a little background of how you came about writing this book? You know, how, how you came in touch with the paranormal when you really weren't a believer at first. If you can just give us a little synopsis on that.
5: Yeah, sure. I, I definitely was was skeptical. I don't know that I was antagonistically skeptical, but I just didn't really believe there's anything to the stories. But my wife and I are restoring an 1830s house. We're now living here, and we just had and still continue to have from time to time just some incredible experiences with unexplained footsteps. People have seen apparitions. Um, radios will turn off and on. I have a touchscreen computer that um, programs will just open, but specific programs seem to repeat themselves. It's just I've never had that with anything else. Mm-hmm. And after I had some experiences at Gettysburg, which I heard you talking earlier in your show, there's definitely something about Gettysburg, and I mm-hmm. have had experiences there through the years that... That's really what tipped the scale, and I decided that yes, I'm going to write about this.
0: Okay. Um, What? what, I I just, out curiosity, real quick. You said specific programs kept opening. Was there any like connection to the program to paranormal or to you? Uh, uh, Yes,
5: actually. My, I put a copy of uh, of my book when it was first published on the desktop. Mm-hmm. of this particular computer, and also the photos from the book, just as backups on the desktop, mm-hmm. and um, about three days in a row, if I'd leave the computer on and leave the room, I'd come back, and the ghost book file would be open, and each time a different photo from the book would be open.
0: Really? Well, that's... That-
5: I, I decided I didn't want anyone messing or anything messing with the programs. So I now turn the computer off if I'm not in my, my office here at home.
0: Wow. Smart. That's, that's pretty cool. So, all right. So I have to ask. So as a person who you said you were skeptical and then now you understand that there are other things you just can't explain. I mean, how does your, how's, how's your mind take that in? You know what I mean? I mean, because um, I, I, mean, I would think that, you know, I would think that as a skeptic, you're pretty much now, this is not the way it is. Uh, and so most people that are in a certain belief, it's really hard to change them to go the other way. So, I mean, how did it, how did it formulate for you?
5: It it took a lot. I mean, I've always been kind of a spiritual person in the sense that, yes, you know, I think there, there are energies. I think that there's probably a part of us that continues, but I never really thought you would interact with anything like that here on earth. Um, My own grandmother, uh, and I think I might have told this story last time I was on, a Southern Baptist minister's wife, Mm -hmm. uh, she used to tell me about living in a haunted parsonage in Louisiana. And, you know, very specific things that would happen. She would wake up, there'd be a man in old-style clothes, standing there looking at him, watching him sleep. He would just vanish, lock eyes and vanish. Um, their covers would be pulled off during the middle of the night, not just a little bit, but just like completely off the bed. Uh, one time, my grandmother had someone sit on the bed while she was in the bed, only hmm. there was no one visible there, just the imprint on the mattress.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, and I used to think, well, Grandma, maybe you uh, got into um, a little bit of too much spicy Cajun food before <laughs> you went to bed. But, it, but that was not, that was very, um, not like her to, she wouldn't make something up. And that was always in the back of my mind. Now I very much believe her that yes, that is what happened.
0: Hmm. So, uh, so, all right, let's see if I can figure out how to put this. So, uh, so now that you're, now you've written this book and you have come to understand that, you know, there is a, a paranormal events that happen. Um, besides writing the book, do you I mean, are you into it more? Or are you still on the outskirts doing all your other stuff or has it kind of drawn you in in other words to want yeah. to learn more about it or even investigate or, you know, anything like that?
5: Yes, it definitely has drawn me in. I still maintain other interests, I still I'm semi retired, I still do some newspaper work, um, I still enjoy that. I still do some of my other historical endeavors, but I definitely have been drawn in. I have I've uh, been giving um, many talks, you know, doing media appearances. i uh, been to Gettysburg several times for talks and signing. Mm-hmm. And what has really struck me is how many people come up to me after a talk or an appearance or a signing and share their own experience. And often they are people who are shy about doing it. They wait until everybody else is gone or just mm-hmm. about everybody else.
4: hmm Yeah.
5: It, just the widespread nature of of paranormal experiences has really impressed me.
0: Yeah, I've had that happen. Like when I when I've done events the same way. When you're done, people then they want to come up and they want to share because maybe they feel that it's you know safe to do so now or something. You know, and they'll understand that you're not going to just you know roll your eyes or or you know do whatever in in course to what they're saying to you. You know, um, I, I assume that would probably be correct assumption. That's
5: very much so. Yeah, mm. some people are open about it, but I think a a, a pretty sizable majority are, are rather shy and really don't want everyone to hear them tell this.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I was saying to Karen when we were before the show, um, before you wrote this book, when you're you know because you're an award-winning journalist, you've written all sorts of stuff. I mean, to step out and to, to and to say, you know, okay, I'm going to talk about the paranormal now. You know, which is not you know everybody doesn't accept it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that must've been a kind of a, uh thought provoking moment, I guess, for you're to go, you know, I'm just going to put this out there and hope that everybody just think I'm crazy. And then that's it for my career and my writing and all that other stuff. I mean, did that, did it, did you have those thoughts when you were thinking, well, I'm going to put I, this out there?
5: I definitely did. And it took me a while to come to the conclusion to write about it. How with the experiences at the house, I, you know, talked to some coworkers, privately shared things with friends and family, and to a person, um, they all supported, and many encouraged me to write about it, but, but everyone supported me like, yes, they believe me that something's going on, and that struck a chord with me. I had some experiences at Gettysburg, and, and the last one, there was a spirit box session that just blew my mind, and I came home convinced that I'd been hoaxed. Really? And, uh, yeah. And but the more I researched, I talked to people, looked into the um, you know the historic record in connection with it, and mm-hmm. became convinced that no, this was indeed very real, and that that was a life changer for me. Mm-hmm. Now, that's when I concluded, yeah, I'm writing this book.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know I will you do say,
5: a- when, I, when I had books in hand after they were printed. I thought
0: what have i done yeah well it's kind of too late to back out then
5: i
1: know that feeling (laughs) my first my first book was a paranormal one too and i wrote it and i thought and the day it was published i was all excited about it and the day it was published i was like crap what did i just do so i get it
0: (laughs) now what is it yeah what does your wife think about i mean well, she's she experienced
5: thinking? the exact same thing. She encouraged me very strongly.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
5: we you know, she she's experienced things on her own. Many people have. I'm mm-hmm. um, here at the house as well. Workers. I had a contractor mad at me that I didn't warn him that the house was haunted because he was touched, had someone pull on his uh, shirt tail and he was on a stepladder. And he was very angry with me when I came out and he was there that he wow. wasn't expecting this.
0: So. <laughs> so what did your, I mean, when you, so you put the book out, you said you talked to some co-workers. What did the majority of the people think? People that have known you in the field and everything, what what was their thought process on it now?
5: People who are close to me, people I've worked with for years, friends, people in the community, have almost to a person been very supportive um, I talked to um, a woman, she's a retired teacher, school teacher, who mm-hmm. was a former neighbor. I've known her for years. She came in to get a copy of the book to pick one up at the newspaper when I happened to be in. And she was like, no, I really don't believe this, but I believe if you had experiences is that there's something to this and I want to read the book. And that's very a common reaction that I've had from
0: people. Mm-hmm. So in other words, your your legitimacy otherwise led them to say, you know, we're going to take a look at this book.
5: Yeah, that that has opened a lot of doors for me. I've done other books on um, Civil War history. Um, I write, still write a weekly column at the newspaper. I've done books, collections of the columns, and that's all just really made a difference, I think, that I have an advantage maybe other people don't have in getting acceptance and getting the
0: word out. Mhm. All right, so we're, we're now on point here, and people understand where you're coming from. So you said you had things to add to, like I guess I don't know if there are events or experiences, or more to the book, or but you had stuff to add to since the last time you've been here. So what kind of things do you want to talk about or share with us? Well,
5: um, my I've made several trips to Gettysburg since the book came out. I've been back since I've been on the show. Um, I have really developed a, an interest in the spirit box. It, okay. The spirit box is really the the single most influential thing that, that has happened to me to, to get me to take this very seriously. Mm-hmm. So if I've purchased one. I, I've played around a little bit with it. I still need to learn a lot. I've been talking to some people who have a lot of experience in it. And, and I know that going forward, that will will form a basis of some of my writings. But uh, oh, I had an experience my last time in Gettysburg. Um, I had a uh, spirit box on Barlow's Knoll. Um, to set this up, the soldier that matched up with the historical record from the Ohio captain that I seemed to have a conversation with on Saks Bridge via the spirit box, he was mortally wounded on Barlow's Knoll. So, so I had, had a friend with me who also has a, a haunted house, so he was very understanding. Mm-hmm. And we're there like a half hour. I'm using the spirit box, you know, asking, is there anyone here? You know, the, the usual thing, getting nothing. Right. And all of a sudden, I get a yes to the question, is anyone here with us? That was, cool. what's your name? And Christopher. Uh, Okay, well, what's your full name, Christopher? Christopher, and we couldn't understand the last name. And he repeated, I think we got three times that that this voice came back repeating, but we couldn't understand the last name. Mm
4: -hmm.
5: So we're thinking, well, you know, were you hit? Yes. Where were you hit? A long, unintelligible answer. So, again, I said, well, I'm sorry, Christopher, I can't understand you. And we'll try again. Where were you hit? This time I got a short answer, in the arm. And this, to me, even with my earlier experiences, is rather mind-blowing. And so I'm thinking, okay, what unit were you with? I started rattling off the, um, the regiments that fought at that spot. Um, 107th Ohio, 25th Ohio, 75th. There was a Connecticut unit. I didn't get an answer to any of this. Well, my friend said, well, it was a Georgia brigade of Georgia troops that overran this position. Maybe he's from Georgia. Mm I said, are you from Georgia? And clear as a bell, louder than anything else we got, almost an exasperated tone to it, I am. Wow. So, wow. (laughs) But then other people came around. We lost. uh, We weren't able to get any more answers. But to Mm -hmm. me, that was a pretty significant. um, I have yet to figure out how to properly record. I did not get a a very good recording of that, unfortunately.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you can always take your uh, – what kind of a, what kind of a spirit box do you work with? Are you, are you using, it's like, a, SB7 or
4: – It's an SB7, yeah.
0: Yeah, you can take, like, an SB7 and take the line out and go into a recorder and put it in and then take that line out of the recorder to a speaker. And that way, when you're recording, you can actually catch it all nice and clear.
5: And, and I did have a, a speaker attached, which helped mm-hmm. quite a bit to hearing Yeah, But, yeah, I need to – i'm not real technically savvy when it comes to that sort of thing so I, and i've been talking with some folks who've been helping me out so i think next time i i go there i will have mm-hmm. we'll have a something
0: set up well you can always speak to karen she's really tech savvy right karen oh my god no <laughs> I guess you can't. talk. No,
1: I was I was talking to my father yesterday about something, and he asked me a technical question. I was just like, "Really? You're asking me? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like the last person you ask in the entire family. I would ask my newborn infant ne- grand nephew before I would ask me tech stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, all right, so you, you're, you're using the spirit box, you're, you're, you're digging the audio and the connection, and then you're seeing that you can take in place some of the audio rec- or, you know, connections you're making to actual events or people, correct?
5: Yeah, that and also, you know, research for, for further writing and I'll okay. have, you know, a backup if anyone questions me. Um, that's one of the things I, I've tried to talk to a variety of pe- of people as I'm getting into this. I've mm-hmm. talked to uh, folks from the uh, Skeptical Inquirer, um, mm-hmm. and, th- and it's interesting. I, I think they raise some good points of, you know, I think having a high bar um, for the evidence is a very good thing.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. You want to be able to weed out, you know, because you, you, you know, the percentage of... What you're capturing is is very s- small amount. That's actual, you know, actually paranormal. So you want to make sure that you're not mixing the two together, you know, because that that way when you're left with what you're left with, you know, you have some basis for truth to it, you know. Um. So, uh, now is the stuff that you like you're doing. Is this like you're out in the where the battlefields are? Is that where you're capturing the stuff, or is it just like is your home part of the, the the book that you wrote, or is that separate, or you know what I mean?
5: Yeah, the home is is a big part of it that goes to Gettysburg. I have not really investigated here. I've had paranormal groups um, from the area and as far away as Gettysburg want to come here, but um, my feeling is I have a very um, comfortable coexistence with what's here, and I don't want to jeopardize that.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't want and to shake I them up. With
5: I've not used the SB-7. Now I took the SB-7 to a cemetery just down the road Okay. Um, and was at the grave of a convicted murderer, and we were getting um, answers to our questions. It was hard to understand what those answers were. But uh, actually, it kind of spooked my son, and he's not easily spooked. Mm-hmm. But he's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't be doing this kind of
0: thing. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes you get that reaction too. You know, you just have to make sure you're doing it respectfully with the right intention. You know, um, have you tried like with the, the stuff? Have you taken pictures? Have you caught any anomalies visually? You know, because we all everybody does the audio, but you know, and visual, of course, is very rare and hard to catch. But have you tried doing any of that? Have you had any luck with that? Or
5: yes, and actually, I've had. Um, some very strange anomalies at Saks Bridge at Gettysburg, which is very common. Okay. Every time I've been to Saks Bridge, I've captured something, even if it's like, you know, an orange streak or a mist or something. Right. Nothing real spectacular, but yet very consistently orbs mm-hmm. uh, are, are very common. And I know those are, are rather uh, controversial, maybe, when it comes to are these paranormal evidence or not. Right. I took all the photojournalism you know, photography classes when I was in college. I've taken pictures through the years professionally, and I have found orbs to be very rare. Mm-hmm. Very now, does, rare. Your,
0: does your wife do this with you, or you just, do you um, do this by yourself, or she, what?
5: She has been to Gettysburg with me some of the time. She's been with me, and we've had some of the experiences. But you ask about, you know, photographic evidence. It was actually photos that my grandson took, Oh, that were really huge too and they're included in the book but it was a spring okay. trip he was with me it was a spring break trip mm-hmm. he was I think 14 at the time um, we did this investigation at Saks Bridge it was something that I was, was able to do because I was a journalist visiting registered with their tourism bureau okay. it was an actual investigative group that that offered these and thought, okay, after this, we're going to Little Round Top. We, we did some, some photographic things to kind of back up experiences I've had previously, but we go to Little Round Top, stop the van, turn everything off, uh, the window's down. My grandson took five photos as quickly as he could, Mm -hmm. Nothing was visible to the naked eye, but then he showed them to me, and here my grandson had talked to a ghost at Saks Bridge on the spirit box and wasn't phased with these pictures, just really freaked him out. First one was, you could see clearly eight orbs, and one even had a tail, um, like they were shooting at us. And the mm-hmm. next four, it started as a small um, mist in the corner, but a reddish, yellowish, orangish mist that grew with each photograph.
0: Wow. So, and, go ahead.
5: And the the thing with that is, at the time, I did not know it, but this was mm-hmm. kind of a catalyst for me to do some genealogical research. Okay. My mother's from Alabama. I knew I had a number of... Um, great-great-grandfathers, great-great-great-uncles who fought for Alabama units, but the ones I was familiar with that all fought in the Western Theater Mm -hmm. um, through research, help with friends, and whatnot. It turns out where my grandson took these photos was within yards of where my great-great-grandfather was captured as a member of the 15th Alabama on Little Round Top.
0: Wow. Um, Totally unknown to me. Wow. That's pretty crazy. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's, that's, that's very interesting. You get that tie in, you know, there, uh, which just probably makes it even more real for you. You know what I mean?
5: It really does. And I've had, it's, it's been kind of a life experience with Little Round Top and Gettysburg. I've always been fascinated with the civil war because I had family on both sides. But that little round top fight always fascinated me, but it was always because of the Union unit, the 20th Maine, and the stand they made there, mm-hmm. not the Alabama troops. And I found out I also had great, great, great uncles and other units in the brigade that also fought there. Mm-hmm. Um, just. Totally, you know, it's like almost like are the Alabamians trying to get my attention
0: here? (laughs) Yeah, and like when we were saying, like when you heard us talking at the beginning of the show about why is it so, why is Gettysburg so pronounced versus other, you know, battlefields or areas of battle? You know what I mean? Um, And Karen made a good point. You know, it was kind of like an inner, you know, inner turmoil between our own country. You know what I mean? Do you think that that has significance to why it's so like there's so much evidence and experiences and activity
5: yeah there were were high passions and and actually the carnage that took place there and the scale of that carnage is just incredible Mm. and i one of the things that has happened to me too is i feel with the experiences I've had in the house, I've developed kind of a sense of the energy. Like sometimes when things are going on here, you can feel the energy. Right. Sometimes before something happens, I've kind of sensed, you know, that change in the energy. Okay. And I very much feel that at Gettysburg. Another experience I had, um, on an earlier trip, but after the book came out, I was curious about the Ohio units that fought on Barlow's Knoll. Mm -hmm. On the second day, that unit that had incredible casualties ended up on East Cemetery Hill. They were attacked again, and overrun again. One of the units was the 107th Ohio. It was a German unit. And for some reason, their story has caught my eye. <laughs> Excuse me, but I was on their um, their battle line, where their monuments are on East Cemetery Hill, and all of a sudden, I was just kind of overwhelmed with an energy. Um, I almost fell over. It's kind of on the side of the hill. I couldn't mm-hmm. move, would have fallen, and I could just see these flashes, you know in my mind and sense just the confusion. Yeah, excuse me, I'm That's okay. getting a little frog in my throat here. That's okay. <laughs> excuse me, but uh, I was probably incapacitated for about 10 minutes. My friend mm-hmm. who was with me was kind of wondering what I was doing up there so long, and um, he's pretty open-minded, but I didn't really share the details, but I... When I got home, I wanted to do a little bit of research into that unit, and hear their fight on that spot was right after dark, hence the flashes I saw in my mind. Okay, I had no clue when I was up there that that's actually what had happened.
4: Mm -hmm.
5: And then then within weeks after that trip, I gave a talk nearby. A good friend of mine, a historian, said, Said, yeah, I've been looking into the Ohio unit to Gettysburg, and the 107th Ohio had men from our area. And again, I had no clue. So there's a connection. Like, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. And how do his, how do historians feel about you know? Because I know a lot. Sometimes you know, if you're a historian, they don't they're they're not really connected to the paranormal, or they don't. Feel Feel strongly about it. I mean, when you're when you're dealing with this stuff and you're trying to connect one to the other, is there issues or not issues or?
5: There are issues. People, as a general rule, at least are polite. <laughs>
4: They're
5: out, but not always the case. I had a historian. I was doing a book signing at the Gettysburg Heritage Center. And a historian who had to be there just basically was verbally attacking me. And I'm you know, just like, I'm trying to go away. He's trying to provoke me. And <laughs> just go away. You don't have to believe it. But yeah. there is that. There are historians, people in Gettysburg, who don't like the paranormal aspect. And there has been a whole, I guess, industry of the ghost tours and that has taken over much of Gettysburg, really. And there are people that resent that.
0: Mm-hmm. Man, I would assume maybe they, maybe they figure it's disrespectful because, you know, people are trampling all over and stuff like that. But what do you think? You,
1: you know, it's, I think, paranormal tourism. Some people really like it. And there's always going to be a group of people who, who don't enjoy it for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. what do you think it is?
5: Um to me, I think it is part of the respect. They do see it as disrespectful, like, gee, people gave their lives here, and here's people running around, on the, you know, around the town looking for ghosts. Um, but, but there are people who understand. Um, two good friends of mine who are you know, authors, historians, Civil War authors, have been very supportive of what I'm doing. Um, one of them has had experiences of his own and very interested in her house. Um, the other one, his wife, is uh, very much into the paranormal and has had experiences. He is not, but he's been very open, and these are two prominent you know, Civil War authors.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That seems to make a big difference, though, doesn't it? it? When they have that personal experience there, too. And I think some people also... Maybe less so now than before. But I also think that there's some embarrassment about it, too. Like you said, when you wrote your book and you thought, oh, gosh. And I kind of had the same experience that, oh, gosh, what have I done? Now everybody's going to know kind of thing. And so I think, don't you think that there's maybe in some cases a little bit of still that embarrassment about believing it?
5: I, I I really think and when I see someone who is just antagonistic, I wonder why. You know, I get not believing it. I was that way myself. But the antagonism—I I don't know if it's a fear of the unknown or or just what that is. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you. I think it's a little of both. You know, I mean, it can be one way or the other. But yeah, I think a lot of it's just they're they're afraid to grasp the concept that maybe this could be true you know uh there could be something to this you know because you know people's minds when they're set on something sometimes and that's what they're set on so um but so so what what are your like what do you think inside your mind what do you think paranor- the paranormal activity the things that you're experiencing what do you think this is is it energy is it you know i mean what, how do you process it as far as someone who. Didn't believe and and now does believe. What what are your thoughts? What's your thought process on that?
5: Well, I've looked a lot into the scientific theories, and actually, being a historian, I've read a number of works um, from the eighteen fifties you know, into the early nineteen hundreds of, of people who have looked into it. It's kind of surprising how the theories haven't really changed all that much. We're just a little more technically savvy. Mm-hmm. But I think it runs a range. I, we definitely have um, residual things here at the house uh, footsteps that follow the same patterns. You hear them from time to time, and it's the same thing. But there's definitely an intelligence to a lot of it, and that's mm-hmm. really part of what got me involved. And it's, to me, it seems like I think there is a part of us that survives when we're when we're done with our earthly life and I'm leaning more and more toward that direction.
0: So so you're so you're saying that because of the fact that you can touch on the intelligent part of it makes it more believable, I suppose.
5: It really does to me things like um I may have shared this story last time I was on, I know it's in my book, but One that really made an impression on me, I was here working in our house. We hadn't had the the rewiring done, so I'm running like a table saw. I had a generator outside, and I had a radio playing.
4: Mm -hmm. At this
5: particular time, the radios were often turning off and on, changing stations, but I had a classic rock station on, and every time a, a rather rowdy, loud song came on, the radio turned off. Really? The third the third time it happened, the song that I remember, the song I was playing was um, Elton John's Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. And the radio turned off. And I got, you know, well, I'll take it back. We had three before this. And I finally said out loud, look, I like this music. Leave the radio alone. Don't turn off my radio. I'm getting pissed here and (laughs) so then the Elton John song came on and the radio didn't turn off the generator outside turned off
4: oh
5: I just stood in the dark laughing (laughs) the generator was fine it was full of gas it turned off so you know the switch had been hit right and I fired right back up and and all I could do is laugh and that one really made an impression on me Mm
0: -hmm. well yeah sometimes they do like to you know mess with you, you know? I mean, I look at it as though, you know, if, if, if their energy of, if their energy of h- human beings, or they once were human beings, why would they have a sense of humor? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, I would.
5: <laughs> I would. Oh, I would too. Well, I'd be
0: messing with people big time. <laughs>
5: if the roles were reversed.
0: Yeah. I'd be like, okay, it's time to freak these people out. So, um, the
5: one that, Oh, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead. The one Continue.
5: that, one that plays with our radio, um, there is a fellow who lived here before we bought the house, and he told mm-hmm. us it was haunted. He thought it was um, was uh, Uncle I can't think of the name now, but it was a, a fellow who died in the house in the late 1940s. But uh, the radio seemed to be connected with maybe that time period and somebody who is a sports fan because I would come out here, other people would come out here, the radio would be on that had been off, and it would be switched to a sports station, most often the Cleveland Indians. I'm a Tigers fan, so. (laughs) But one time, my wife and I were working outside, and and uh the radio kept going back to a a Bowling Green State University men's basketball game. I mean, like a dozen times we put it on different stations, and it always (laughs) went back to that, so.
0: That's pretty funny. So they're saying the actual radio, they felt the spirit was connected to the not the house per se, but the radio is what you're talking about.
5: Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and it's not, we don't have the same radios, and that's one I've not had, fortunately. Actually, I was rather really worried when we moved in
4: mm-hmm. that I would
5: have these problems. Actually, I spoke out loud at different times, leave the electronics alone, and we <laughs> haven't had very little with radios since we right. moved in.
0: Oh, wow. That's well. You, you, have you ever tried, like, you know, because, you know, basically the SP7 is like a radio. Have you ever tried to use that radio, like static keys, to try to see if you can get someone to come through on that, you know? Well, as no, a fun- I,
5: I, I never have, have tried that. And like I say, in the house itself, I just really kind of... Live and
0: let live. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't want to mess around with it and, and then they'll be coming through all the time trying to talk to you and telling you yeah, that. Yeah, and you. I
5: have had people in the field say that, yes, if you give them a means to communicate with you and they know they can do it, you will get more activity.
0: Oh, yeah, Definitely.
5: And I decided, eh, we really don't want more. We're comfortable.
0: Here. What? You don't want what? more activity? I <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk to y'all about
1: You don't want to pump that stuff <laughs> up?
0: Yeah, man. Well, actually, you guys
5: had given me a tip when I was on before. I'm pretty sure it was you guys about using the little child's toy with the pins. Yeah, you
4: know, that was like
5: me. Yeah. Make... Yeah, okay. I was thinking it was. So yes. I tried that. Uh, uh-huh. we, went out, we found one. And we put it different places, and nothing happened. But this was about the time I started getting the computer um, files opening on the computer. I set it in front of the computer keyboard before I went to bed one night. I came back down the next morning, and there was the fingerprints of a child-sized hand.
1: Did you take a a picture of it, Don?
5: Um, I did not. I should have. yes (laughs) yes but <laughs> but I, still, had that's plenty, like, I had plenty of i had plenty of witnesses my wife saw it my son and grandson saw it. that is super cool you
1: should tell them next time put it there again or wherever you think that they do it and tell them to stick their face in it
5: yeah that would be good Ooh, uh, and i there has been um you know i've had a person see, and I think this was in the book. Well, I know it was in the book because I actually held up the book to include it. A fellow delivering a clothes washer saw a little girl at the top of our stairs. He was very shaken and gave me a very detailed description of what really? she looked like. Yes, she was, um, she had been in our middle bedroom, which we, we hear what I've always envisioned as child footsteps, like barefoot. She had okay. footsteps in her room. Even when mm-hmm. we were sleeping, she came out of that room, stood at the top of the stairs, looked at him a while, and walked back into the room.
0: Oh, so so in other words, you'd, you'd had other experiences before, and then when he said that, it kind of made sense to the yeah. connection. Okay.
5: I would always envisioned that this sounded like very light footsteps, and then when he saw that, it's like, whoa. <laughs> and, but the poor guy, I didn't know if he was going to going to defecate or run away or both. He was just really shaken by it.
0: Wow! Have you seen her yourself or I, just, just the I notices? have
5: not. I, okay. I, there's another woman who was friends of the fellow who'd lived here for years. She's uh, a pretty intelligent woman. She um, had told about seeing a young girl, um, a boy, mm-hmm. and an old farmer and I have had both the girl and the farmer have been seen by other people. I've never seen any apparitions beyond a shadow.
0: Interesting. Have you ever looked into trying to see if, like, either of them existed, you know, for real? Oh. I we mean, connected to the house, or?
5: Yeah, yes, I have. And actually, the little girl, and she was described <laughs> in detail to me by the guy. She was wearing, like, a, a short white sound sounded like either a, a play dress or night dress of the like mm-hmm. 1800s, late 1800s. She had brown curly hair and even told me the dress was dirty. But based on the curls of my hair and what she was wearing, I, I was thinking, well, definitely 1800s. There was a little girl. She did not live here, but this was her grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. She lived with her parents a like, mile and a half away. But uh, a little girl died in 1882 of a horrible case of uh, bone cancer. I think she was uh-huh. eight when she died.
0: Oh, uh-huh. so you think that maybe that might be her coming and yeah. connecting that there?
5: Could be. You know, if it was her grandparents' home, it would probably be a happy place. She's buried just less than a half mile away at a, in a cemetery nearby.
0: Wow, that'd be uh, interesting I to. Guess. That would be interesting, like to go to the cemetery and see if you could connect. You know, see if she would speak with you, you know? you think?
5: Yeah, I've thought about that. I have not tried it yet. The odd Mm -hmm. thing was, I was at a paranormal conference up in Dundee, Michigan, last Mm -hmm. November. And I was speaking with a medium there, who I had never met, never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she had a clue who I was either, but she interrupted me as I'm talking to say, you have a little girl. And I... I obviously was startled she said well no at, at your house you have a spirit of a little girl and she proceeded to describe in very detailed pretty much the same thing that the guy who delivered the clothes washer had described the knee length giraffe she was more descriptive on the hair it was kind of like five big ringlets and that was a very popular child's hairstyle of the 1880s
0: and how did you feel about that
5: I was stunned. I was speechless <laughs> as she was describing this.
0: Mm. And,
5: and I don't, you know, I suppose she could have somehow known who I was and read the book, but she gave details that weren't in the book. She also mm. gave details of the little boy, so there's also a little boy. And oh, we, all, cool. we think we know who the little boy is, too, but... Again, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but there was a young boy who drowned in the creek out back in the nineteen fifties.
0: Oh wow. So you got a lot of stuff going on there.
5: It's it's a very can be a very active place.
0: Yeah, it's like a little a community, you know. So let's 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 talk about you have you say you're working on a new book, is that what you're saying? Or you're starting to work on a new book or Yeah.
5: Yeah and, and The the family connection I talked about with the Alabama troops at Gettysburg, you know, my great-great-grandfather's part of it. The other part of it is, and we touched, you know, you had kind of asked me earlier about my take on what is this energy, um, you know, what might it be. I really am leaning more and more toward, toward, yes, I think we do live in energy form, Mm-hmm. Beyond this life, and I really think these are manifestations of that. And I really would like to to delve more into that. Mm-hmm. And really, so you, maybe use my, I guess, my experience, my my journalistic background to to try to present this in a serious, thought provoking
0: way. So you think that's going to be a, that's going to involve like. New equipment or maybe getting together with some people who are in the field as investigators to kind of yeah, add to that?
5: I definitely need to do. I've not done much in the way of investigation. Um, mm-hmm. I've been talking with some folks out east in the Gettysburg area. I'll be doing one in in uh, April at Gettysburg. And I've talked with some other folks, uh, a couple of people who are very experienced with the spirit box, too. Mm-hmm you know help me with the, the audio part of that and some there's some audio programs out there to kind of clean up your recordings once you're done. Mhm. So definitely want to work with some of that.
0: So how do you feel about that? Are you excited about that or
5: Yeah, I I really am. The downside is just finding time with some of my other commitments and interests, but but I'm working it out to find it to do it. And,
0: and you said with your house, you said with your house now you were you were, did you say you were remodeling or yeah, your home? Okay,
5: been restoring it. Yeah, and that's that's another thing we find that when we are doing more with the house is when we get more activity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the common theme.
5: And we found that even as we lived here, we're getting close to being done. There are some things to do yeah. but that's that's finally starting to wind down.
0: Okay. So yeah, so the new book's going to be basically about Don getting out in the field and investigating.
5: Well, that and just what, you know, kind of, I, the, w- the way I'm leaning toward, and I don't have all this, you know, worked out in my mind totally, yeah. but what I'm leaning toward is, okay, here's here's some things I've experienced. You know, it's like, you can't explain them with you know what we traditionally use as science. So, what's going on here? You know, what mm-hmm. could
0: the explanations be? Yeah, I think that, that yeah. I'd be interested. I think that'd be interesting to read to see, because um, you know, you as a journalist and then going into this and then trying to put some legitimate to it from your viewpoint. But you
1: know what? That's one of the things that I think that a lot of paranormal writing lacks. and I don't want to upset anybody that writes books because I do too, but it lacks that journalistic um, you know, journalists are trained to write and research and report in a certain way that that your average paranormal person is not. would Would't you agree with that?
5: yeah, it it really really <laughs> provides someone to do to do just that. Um yeah, with the background I have I'm used to analyzing, I'm used to explaining mm-hmm. to to backing up, you know, being mm-hmm. to verify what I've done. And I'm big on the historic record. Um the spirit box conversation we had at Saks Bridge it really got me going. Um everything checked out to one individual soldier. To me that was amazing.
0: Oh yeah, the the connection between the historical or the the
1: yeah, that's that's amazing <laughs> when that happens, isn't it? It's like <gasps> no.
5: <laughs>
0: My intent
5: in doing it was to show that there's no such person that would match. You know, because absolutely specific things: how old he was, um, and that he was from Ohio, that he was a captain, that um, and and everything. Just you know, one particular person stood out.
0: So it's you're saying it's so you're saying it, it didn't quite work out the way you planned,
5: you know what don <laughs> i had that I had
1: that happen one time with information from my Ouija board of all things
0: Ooh.
1: and it all matched up and i I mean I was absolutely certain it was just you know absolute hooey. <laughs>
5: yeah it it was mind blowing to me. The whole situation was, and then, as I was trying to prove that now this spirit box is a hoax, you know everyone's saying, no, it's not a hoax. I mean, it's not a hoax, and even the soldiers supposedly we talked to checked out. was mortally wounded. day one died on day three as a prisoner. He may well have died at Sack's Bridge. That's where some of the Confederate or some of the Union prisoners were left and taken.
0: Mm-hmm. So, So doing all this, have you ever had any, like, experiences of actual physical contact, like being touched? Have you ever um, heard anything auditorily that wasn't through the spirit box, just like live as you're going along? Have you had any of those kind of experiences?
5: Yes, I have. I have been touched um, a number of times. uh, Really? Here at the house. Okay. Uh, And one time, and this goes back to the prankish little boy. Um, I was working out back. There's kind of an active spot near our, well, near the, the back door out of our kitchen. I was bent over working, and my underwear was snapped. Not a little <laughs> snap, a very powerful snap, and there was nothing <laughs> there to, yeah, that was my reaction. I just laughed. <laughs> By then, you're I like, was used to it.
0: Yeah, you're like, what, what the, the heck, heck man? <laughs> That's yeah, a
1: new geez. one. I haven't heard yes, that one. I, I, I've
0: have heard, to say.
1: I have heard all kinds of things, but that's the first time I've heard snapping underwear.
5: I've had my ear flipped. I've had my hand touched. My grandson had his hand touched, and he just, mm-hmm. like, jumped. I'm like, what the heck was that? And...
0: <laughs> that's pretty funny about the underwear, though, I have to say.
5: Yeah, I, I, I had to share that one. I, I just <laughs> laughed and laughed <laughs> laughed when that happened.
0: <laughs> and so have you heard anything auditorily without... The spirit box? Have you heard? I mean, besides the radio going on and stuff like voices or,
5: yeah, of course, footsteps are very common. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard unintelligible, obviously voices before, like somebody talking, like in the next room, but you couldn't make out the words. Mm-hmm. Well, at one time, I had come back into the house. My wife had left her purse um, inside, and we were leaving for the evening before we'd moved in. So I told her I'd get her purse. I ran in, and as I'm picking up her purse near the main front door, a very distinct female whispery voice right next to my ear said, Be sure the door's locked.
4: Oh.
5: And my reaction was, Did I just hear that?
4: (laughs) That one was
5: rather (laughs) mind-blowing. I said, Okay, and I locked the door when I left.
0: Well, you got to figure some of the stuff that you're experiencing, like the footsteps and that, you know, some of that could be just residual, you know, where it's just something that kind of goes along at a certain time, you know. But then when you start getting stuff like what you just said, you know, you, you have the mixture of intelligent and residual, you know.
5: Yeah. Yeah. One time I was in my basement, um, which is actually the original kitchen of the house, pretty cool room, but I started getting this sense of energy. This was after I had quite a few experiences, and I had just watched one of the, the Ghost Investigator shows on TV, and they'd done that shaving a haircut deal to try mm-hmm. to get a response. So I said, Hey, can you finish this? And I did it. Nothing happened. I thought, well, I'll give it some time to build up energy. I waited like 30 seconds. I said, okay, I'm getting ready to leave. Can you finish this? And I did the dot, 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 dot. Across the room, I got a very clear bump, bump, and then yep. footstep, shuffling and then going up the stairs.
1: <laughs> okay, so I wanna I wanna move in a different direction for a minute uh, because I wanted to ask you about something that just occurred to me. So we were talking a little bit ago about um, people kind of being hesitant to admit their paranormal experiences. And I feel like uh, we have a credibility issue in the paranormal. Um, And you are in a profession where credibility is incredibly important. So how does the paranormal as a community go about fixing its credibility problem, or can it?
5: Um, And that's a very good question, and I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm really glad you asked because that's part of what I want to address. Um, And I really didn't think to bring it up that way, but yes, I think there is problem. I've been talking to a lot of people in the field. I think there are some people with great integrity, great skills, who you know, I think what they're presenting is pretty impeccable. And I think there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. who really don't have the skills in the background who are jumping at this is a ghost, that's a ghost. And I think that's where the credibility gap comes in.
1: Yeah, I agree. So how do we fix it?
5: That's a good question, I think if there's some way to have certification training I think maybe more in the way of um, I'm trying to think of the proper word here but I guess you know some sort of certification that yes you've undergone so much training that you adhere to these certain rules you know these rules of evidence
1: Mm -hmm.
5: maybe that's the way to go now who would head that up how would that be done I don't know
1: well but as, as again as a journalist, you have certain protocols. I guess do you call them protocols? Um, you have certain ethics and standards to which you adhere because otherwise, you know, you're not you're not doing your job right.
5: Yeah, and frankly, if I didn't, I'd have been thrown out on my ear years ago.
1: Right. So is there? So are there things that you can take from journalism to apply to to? paranormal investigations so that people can become more credible? What would your advice be to somebody who says, hey, I'm going to write a book about ghosts and and not writing advice, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to write a book about ghosts and I've never written anything before and how should I go about doing this? What would you tell them?
5: I would say talk to people, talk to respected people in the field. I've found that people are very willing to talk. I've had just... Great people give me great advice, and I would encourage them to do the same <clears throat> and to be aware of the pitfalls if they're getting a certain piece of evidence, okay, look into it what you know what are possible normal explanations, what makes it paranormal you know what mm-hmm. what is what are the telltale things to look at?
1: Sure. Okay, cool. Well, so we have come to our shameless self-promotion corner, which, of course, you probably remember from last time.
5: Yes, I do. uh, (laughs) So
1: let's let's shamelessly self-promote. Go for it.
5: Okay, well, um, you can find out a lot about me and what my company, Faded Banner Publications, my wife and I founded that 20 years ago, but what it offers at uh, www.fadedbanner.com. Um, If you're interested in my paranormal work, um, www.imetaghost.com is a good place to go for information. You can order the I Met a Ghost at Gettysburg book at either website. Um, There are links back and forth. I have a number of other books out that the Faded Banner Works site has. And, of course, you can get my books on Amazon at bookstores. If they don't have it stock, they can order it, Um, libraries, what have you. So I try to make it easy.
1: Very cool. So, Don, um, let us know when you have your next book done. And it's a pleasure talking to you, as it was last time. And uh, good luck in that haunted house of yours.
5: Yeah, thanks, Don. Well, thank you. It's a pretty cool place. We love it.
1: It's. Thanks. It sounds really cool, actually. Thank you. Have a great evening.
5: You too. Bye. Thanks, tonight
1: all right there you guys go Don Allison author of I met a ghost at Gettysburg check out his book um, he's got all sorts of interesting stories he shared a lot on a previous episode I don't remember which so we're going to go to break we'll come back and we have some correspondence reports and the lightning round stick around you're listening to paranormal underground radio in the dark here on mix we'll be right back hey everyone it's Karen Frazier co-host of paranormal underground radio in the dark thanks for listening to the show You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, Author Karen That's Author Karen, K A R E N, Frazier, F R A Z I E R.com.
0: Join me at the Big Seance Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com. And this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance Podcast.
3: Hey, are you looking for a new paranormal podcast? Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis.
1: And me, Manny Vega.
3: We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment.
1: That's right, and you can find out more by going to getspooked.net.
3: And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to getspooked.net slash YouTube. Nicole Strickland here, founder and co-director of the San Diego Paranormal Research Society, also known as SDPRS. Our team is based in San Diego, California and covers cases within San Diego County, Southern California, and even out of state. We specialize in private residences, businesses, and historical locations, and are the monthly tour hosts of the Spirits of the Adobe tours at the legendary Rancho Buena Vista Adobe in Vista, California. We offer a variety of classes and courses for those who are interested in learning more about paranormal research and what it entails to become a paranormal investigator. For more information about us, please visit our website at sandiegoparanormalresearch.com.
0: So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host Karen Frazier for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained.
1: That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well.
0: So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back on MixLR. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Chucky G and Karen Frazier. So we're going to do the we're gonna do the lightning round first, and then we're going right. to do the correspondence. That's
1: right, so. because we are joined by the lovely and talented Uh-oh. Winter Balefire. Winter, Uh-oh. you have a new book out.
0: I do,
6: yes. Yes. Um, My first, actually my first published book on my own, Um, it's uh, Love Letters Destroyed. It's my first poetry collection, so nothing creepy and paranormal this time. It's all kind of just just dark and, and, uh, you know, um, kind of emotionally driven poetry, which, you know, is my other love, I guess. Yes. uh, Yes.
1: Well, congratulations on laying your soul, laying your soul bare for the world. Oh, that's yes, beautiful. Yes,
6: thank you. It's been it's been a challenge. Yeah. A lot of well, very didn't cool. Know that I wrote poetry, so now they're reading it, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't expect that from you." It's, okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I write poetry too, and every I one I one of my friends from like uh, when I was in my mid twenties read some of my poetry, and she called me and she was like, "Are you suicidal?" I was
6: like, "No." I'm good
1: yeah exactly exactly it's like do, do
4: you need help no i'm fine, not fine what the heck
1: just fine thank you all right so let's do the lightning round huh thanks for joining us for it uh cheryl are you are you speak microphone on for the lightning round
2: yes can you hear
1: me
0: oh my god yes. S- scared yes. me. first
1: lightning Boom. round of, just 20, of <laughs> 2017
0: all we're right, go. we gonna
2: do our little intro first a little light oh, yeah we're gonna do the sound yep. effects you want to do it you all right here we go it we're
0: gonna do it it's time for the lightning round
1: all right we did it okay well you know what was so funny <laughs> is okay, like so as soon as as soon as you started to play it i had only one skype window up and it had the picture of you so i was like okay well she's gonna point at me so it'll be fine and then my skype like flipped over to picture of Chuck, so I wasn't going to even be able to see you <laughs> point or anything.
0: Yeah, because my camera died.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, you know, okay. Uh,
0: welcome back, Baron Underground. Olin- That's uh, right.
1: All right, here we go. Yes. Um, BBC News reports that the builders of a new nightclub in London unearthed 13,000 jars of jam, marmalade, and mushroom catsup Ooh. in a vault there. They were from the Victorian era. Era. So, they're probably really fresh still. Yes. Mm-hmm. So to me, it sounds like the Victorians loved jam so much that they locked it away in a vault. And I want to know what food do you love so much that you would store it under lock and key? And we will start with winter. Um, <clears throat>
6: hmm. Probably any type of. Uh, well, I guess a potato because I love any type of potato, mashed potatoes, right? Really? Yeah, I yeah.
1: I will all day every day. You <laughs> are a I love my carbs. <laughs> Okay, uh, Chuck.
0: Oh, chocolate! No doubt about it. Any really? kind of damn chocolate, yes. Really, mm-hmm.
1: I'm not a huge chocolate fan.
0: God, I love I love dark chocolate more too because I have like those dark chocolate Hershey's Kisses. That's my own. Uh, I, I
1: I like chocolate about once a month. I'll just
2: yeah?
1: leave it there. Yeah, Cheryl. How about you? <laughs>
2: um, I have like 20 things, but I'll narrow it down to two. Whoa. Um can I pick two? I'll pick sushi. Sure. And that's a Ew. shocker. I know people who <laughs> listen to the show no, I, I never sushi. talk about sushi, right? Oh, that's
0: gross. Sushi,
2: yeah. and then the second one has to be avocado.
0: Oh, oh avocados are I good. love avocados too. Yes. I eat
1: avocados. Guacamole is guacamole.
0: Oh, guacamole yeah. is awesome. I couldn't handle sushi though. I can't I tried what? it. I just i c oh. I'm sorry. That's I my know. favorite food. Yeah. All right. Well you so... could forever it's raw fish. <laughs>
1: I like sushi, but I can't eat it because of the rice and because it has gluten in it. So I haven't had sushi in years. I had potato and potato for the first time in two years on New Year's Eve.
0: And was it good? Oh,
1: my God. It was so <laughs> good.
0: Mm-hmm. You just see Karen's face right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, it was so good. And I do have uh, occasional chocolate, but I get this uh, Stevia sweetened stuff because, of course, I don't eat carbs. Or I eat very few carbs um, yeah. because that's how I maintain my weight. And, um, yeah, so go. all good choices, I would say. I don't know what mine would be. Mine would probably be guacamole. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That'd be, that'd I see be that. Awesome.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it would probably be guacamole, although if it could could be anything I wanted and I actually didn't have a body that tried to kill me when I ate stuff I'm allergic (laughs) to, it would actually be nachos with guacamole and jalapenos.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Mm -mm.
1: See, there you go. All right. So we already touched on this next story a little bit. Uh, Chuck was talking about the zombies. Did you hear the zombie story at the top of the show, Winter? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just real quickly to, to recap, um, a university in the UK conducted a study. They wanted to find out how long it would take for zombies to knock out mankind. The answer is after 100 days, there would be 273 survivors. Um, so I want to know this. On what day of the zombie apocalypse would you be gone? Cheryl?
2: One. Day one. <laughs> yeah, I'm day one too. I'm not, mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, I hate to, I'd, I'd love to say I would not be gone. Like I'd be the, lo- the last survivor, but no, that's I, I, not, I, I'm a <laughs> full hanging fruit.
1: Man. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. It's so, Chuck, one. how about you? What day of the
0: zombie um, apocalypse? Uh, yeah, I like to say it's like Cheryl too, like I'd last forever, you know, and I'm pretty healthy, but, you know, I'm an older guy. So I'd probably say somewhere in the middle, you know, like maybe about the 40th day. I could hold off for a while, but eventually mm-hmm. I'd be like, you know what, screw it. Just bite me and let's just get, get on with <laughs> it. bite you know? me. Just bite me, man. <laughs>
1: bite me. <laughs> Winter, how long would you survive?
6: Um, probably somewhere in the middle. I think we would probably start off, you know, thinking that we could, you know, get through all of it. But and again, is it just me or or did other people survive with me? And can we form a group and
1: Oh well there are two hundred and seventy three survivors after a hundred days, so there you mm. go. I don't know. I just I just think that i would probably i i just don't want to survive a zombie apocalypse let's be honest i'm gonna just be like um oh unless i'm really good at hiding yeah Yeah. no hide and seek champions in this group that i can already (laughs) all right from the associated press police in pittsburgh were able to identify a man vandalizing neighborhood cars because of his man bun they caught him on camera and apparently the hipster population in Pittsburgh isn't as high as one might imagine because the police were able to identify him by the bun. So I want to know on a scale of one to ten with ten being high, how amazing do you find man buns, Chuck?
0: Oh God, no. Zero at the bottom.
1: Zero. Zero hmm. man buns. Winter, how do you feel Zero. about man buns?
0: Negative zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two of us.
6: <laughs> either, either wear your hair long or cut it
1: off. Don't don't bother with that. <laughs> don't steal. Boys, you don't be stealing our messy buns,
2: yeah, man. Yeah, no
0: buns, man.
1: You're all... I'm
2: going 10. 10 on the man you bun. Li- he here's li- a man. Th- here's Chad the thing. Brown I've been trying to get Chad to get a man yeah. bun forever, but he he's not going there. In reality, <laughs> I, I like long hair, but... Yeah, he's like.
0: Oh, it said, "No way" in the background. No,
2: but Chad does think we're—he's a hipster now that he drives a Honda Fit, so maybe he'll go for the man bun. I don't know.
1: Oh. You know? There you yeah. There you go, mm-hmm. man bun. Well, you know, I so I in my dance class there were a couple of guys and they do the man buns because they have the long hair and you want your hair out of your way. Yeah. But I just feel like dudes should get their own. I mean, the messy bun is is what we've been doing.
0: So you think they should have their own thing? In other words. They,
1: that's right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I I don't find man buns objectionable. Um, but I also am parent of a hipster, so there you go. Uh, you know, I'm like probably a five somewhere in there. All right, uh, this one's really easy. It doesn't even have a story attached with it. I want to know what your favorite Christmas gift was and why. And let's see, uh, winter. I think you're first again.
6: Okay. Um. Well, I think it would have to probably be. Um, probably be a tie because again, my book was published around that time, so that was an amazing gift. And then um, my husband actually surprised me with a um, little uh, pendant that I had been looking at like months ago, and I totally forgot about it. And he went off on his own and remembered it and found it and gave it to me. So that was oh,
1: cool. that's sweet.
6: <laughs> Aww.
1: Yeah, very, very nice. nice husbands yeah. pay attention all right uh yeah
2: cheryl um probably the candle set chad gave me it's like um it's like a five-tier candle set and it, it it's the ones that operate off batteries so you don't actually need to light them you just oh set yeah them you're up. Gonna
1: love home goods yeah. you're gonna be fun yeah that
2: you set you turn on the timer <laughs> and then it comes on every night at like five and then goes off at like 10 that kind of yeah
1: nice yeah all right Chuck.
0: Um, it would be the coffee mug my daughter bought me, uh, because this Christmas she had like no money at all. Um, and you know, I think it cost a dollar and she just bought me this black coffee mug, but it just meant so much to me that she just did not want to not get me something for (laughs) Christmas. So she went out and found this coffee mug and and brought it to me. So I I just,
1: Oh, that's really sweet. Now, if you had have sold your, your coffee to buy her, um, I don't know. No, I was trying to. I was trying to do an O. Henry thing there, the gift of the magi, <laughs> but I, I can't quite immersed. make it connect. Okay. <laughs> and um, you know, let me see. I think my favorite Christmas gift, honestly, was all the new furniture my husband and I bought for ourselves <laughs> for the living room. Now, if we could just get the cat to leave it alone, we'll be good. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so we had a great New Year's Eve, and um, last year, Techie McScience Geek, my husband, threw up in a sink. on new year's eve and um after sitting there all evening i kept saying you're gonna throw up you're drinking too much you're gonna throw up and he was like nah i haven't puked in 30 years and and then he did and (laughs) it was in a sink with a broken garbage disposal so (laughs) that's his most embarrassing new Year's story i don't really have any embarrassing new Year's stories because i've never really done anything because i'm always just the i mean everything i do is embarrassing so you know (laughs) Um, so I want to know what your most embarrassing new year's moment or story is. Um, and who's first, who Chuck, are you first?
0: Sure. I'll go first. Um, I mean, it was, it it had to go way back when I was younger and I was drinking at that time. Um, was pretty much, uh, mixing like you really shouldn't mix like wine and whiskey and beer and all these things together. No,
1: that's what Jim did. That was the
0: problem. And then I ate some pork rinds that to add that to that. So, as I'm heaving this thick stuff coming out, yeah, it was not a, it was not a. That
1: st- must have tasted bad. It was back so nasty.
0: With- I've never touched pork rind since, ever. Uh, no.
1: Yeah, Cheryl, do you have an embarrassing New Year's
2: story? Um, I don't know if it's embarrassing. I mean, it, it stands out as possibly one of the worst. Um, let me just make it a short story. Um, and this is when I was like still in high school, so you know um don't be too hard on me so anyway me and my friend ended up in a hotel room with with our dates on new year's eve and i did not really like my date and he didn't really like me so we just sat off on the side while they made out in the hotel
1: (laughs) oh i've been on that date okay you
2: you get it then right i
1: have been on that date Absolutely. (laughs) It
2: was not fun. It
1: was not fun. No. 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 Winter, do you have an embarrassing New Year's story? Actually no.
6: I'm I'm that person who's in bed by nine, so I missed the whole (laughs) whole thing. I, I don't go out and party, I rarely drink, so unfortunately I'm boring.
1: Yeah, that's okay. You're allowed to be. Um, Okay, last one. According to an Mm -hmm. article in New York Magazine from December of last year, I mean like December of 2016, like last month, Mm -hmm. one of the year's most popular Christmas gifts was the Amazon Echo. In fact, my dad got one and we played with it. It's super cool, right? So, it passively records everything you say. What it means is it passively listens and it waits for you to say Alexa to ask a question. Once you ask the question, Amazon records that and saves it on their cloud, right? Mm -hmm. So, keep all that in mind. There's a murder case in Arkansas right now. And the police have issued a warrant for the Amazon Echo records as evidence to see what was recorded in the home. Ooh. So far, Amazon has refused to turn those records over to the police, but I assume we can see where this is headed, right? I mean, they're going to get those records, and to me, I find this really cool, but also really creepy technology, mm-hmm. because you don't realize that like Siri or Amazon or those things, or the Echo, or there's a Google one too, I think, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they're they're listening, they're listening to you, right? Yeah. Yes. So I, uh, so that's creeps me out as far as technology i want to know what kind of technology creeps you out and we'll start with winter
6: um webcams the mm-hmm. way that people hack into webcams and actually i'm that person that keeps mine covered um you know if i'm not using the computer or something because i just have this paranoia that someone's going to hack in and spy on me in my house you know
1: yeah i, I get it
6: someone thanks me. Mm-hmm.
1: Cheryl, do you have a creepy technology?
2: Uh, I was just thinking, webcam is actually on the top of my list because mine has come on by itself, and yeah, mine I has too. I didn't. It could just be a fluke, you know, of the system. But I definitely did not turn it on, so yeah. it just makes you wonder who's. How did it get on? Who's watching? Could somebody, you know, get on there and and, and control it? You know, hackers or government or whoever. Yes. Yeah. That's I would say. Well, you know,
1: though, when mine turns on, it's usually when I'm sitting here working on my computer, and I've I'm sweaty from my workout, (laughs) and I haven't taken a shower yet, and I have my hair in my messy bun, and you know what? (laughs) Have at it, hackers. Uh, Okay, (laughs) tech, creepy technology.
0: Um, I saw this thing uh, uh, just recently about people having these chips embedded in their wrists for work.
1: For
4: work.
0: Mm -hmm for work where like then RFIDs? you RFIDs. yeah you know yeah so you can like put it up to your computer and turn your computer on going through doors on, on doors mm-hmm. um you know punching in and out time clocking you know all That's that kind creepy. of stuff
1: any yeah. job that requires you, you know. to have some kind of something surgically embedded and i don't know mm-hmm. it's just a needle but still
0: no don't no. want that job no i'm like i'm like there's no way i would do that you know nope. this is no way but there, it's oh yeah it works really great and everything I'm like yeah not me no uh-uh <laughs>
1: All right, folks, and that's how we play the lightning round. Thank you, Winter. What about you, Karen? Oh. Do you have one? Is it the webcam? Um, For me, no, it's the Amazon Echo. Oh, yeah, that's right. It, yep. Mm-hmm, yeah. yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we have uh, like only 10 minutes left, and we Whoa. have two correspondence reports. Just one. We just have one. Just one. Oh, just other we one. just have yeah. one. And it's, yeah, it's like seven things. minutes? Yeah. It's mm-hmm, about seven yep. minutes, yep. All right, so let's go to our correspondent report.
0: All right, so... It's uh, going to be Maria Anna Vandriel. She's doing Shadow People and MJ12: Who Created
7: Who. So, whenever you're All ready, right. Cheryl, roll them. Hi, this is Maria Anna Vandriel, paranormal underground radio in the dark correspondent, live from Germany, with a complete new investigation concerning the shadow people shadow people are being said to be the darkest figures or creatures of a supernatural origin which appear from the corner of your eye and disintegrate between walls when being noticed many believe that these figures are beings from another dimension and have the ability to take human forms to mimic people, a behavior we also see in the phenomena of shapeshifters. Medical science in their turn explains the reason for these sightings in sleep paralysis, illusion, hallucination brought by psychological circumstances, drug use and even side effects of magication. But what are they really? Are they a friendly primal energy sharing their knowledge with us of how to use the biological computer code of the universe? Or are they really that aggressive nation as I described in my previous article shadow people, quantum tunneling and synthetic telepathy as a primal survival technique? Are they truly a nation what has used our ancestors as vessels after they created us due a creepy Asian knowledge what we know today as biophysics and quantum holographics? And are they still using us as so? Or is there maybe a group of people, as in the 1%, who are using this kind of knowledge to stay in power in a similar manner like King Solomon did, what he called the jinn? Could it be that this group of people have an arrangement with these creatures? Or did they found a way to capture and imprison this primal energy in dumps and are able to stay in power by letting us play with reverse engineered technology what has made us depend on it and gave a creepy result of an almost undetectable form of addiction is this group of people leading the successors of Project Paperclip the real MJ-12 but let me go another step further into the world of crazy ideas evolution is always in motion and that life can be found on the most craziest locations thus why not in frequencies or UV light what later in time becomes a plasma energy after a process in photon binding what could have gained, to our understanding, a strange form of awareness due being captured in a magnetic field and hit by a laser similar to that of a femtosecond 2nd laser and even created a language as in synthetic telepathy. I know it sounds pretty out there, but these experiments, in this kind of science, is real. Photon-binding and creating matter is a fact. And the real leading factor in this all are for instance the physics professors MIT, who successfully have managed to bind those photons together and form molecules, what did gave a creepy state of matter. I will skip the process of cooling this cloud of ribidium atoms down with lasers, to just a few degrees above absolute zero in a vacuum chamber and give you a direct result in quantum holographic projections these holographic images can sometimes be seen with the naked eye as transparent figures which by many is better known as ghosts or spirits but also jinns shadow people when a magnetic field is weak but when all elements are imbalanced, the possibility that from this kind of matter our species has been born could be very plausible when we look at how many pyramid-like buildings on this globe have functioned in the past creating matter as in life with, for instance, gamma ray and synthetic magnetism, coded photon, torsion energy waves. It is almost godlike, don't you think? Now the only question we have to find an answer to in this matter is: Who was roaming this planet first? We? Or a primal energy we know today as the shadow people? Who created or engineered who? Did we created the shadow-like figures by using our own cooled photons during experiments? Or are they our creators? You then need of that of a protective vessel and free energy.
0: We are back. This is Paranormal Radio in the dark with your hosts Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. I love the face on Cheryl when she was pointing at me. That was hilarious. And
1: winter, and winter, and winter is still with us too. Still here. That's right. (laughs) You know, Cheryl. I have to tell you, I don't know what at one point. I think when we were coming back from like commercials just before, um, just before we did the uh, lightning round. Yeah, you almost said. You almost said. And I'm pointing at you, or something. I did. About kill- I did yeah. <laughs> you weren't going to point. You were just going to give us a verbal point. Anyway, all <laughs> right. Well, so, um, hey, thanks everybody for coming back and listening to us after yes, our hiatus. Thank um, thank you to Winter for coming for the lightning round, and mm-hmm. thank you to our guest Don Allison and to Cheryl and Chuck and you and everybody else. Uh, we will be back next week. Our guest is whom?
2: Oh, yes. Let's talk about next week's guest. Next week's guest is Jessica Freeberg and Natalie Fowler, and they are authors of the book called Monsters of the Midwest, Mm. True Tales of Bigfoot, Werewolves, and Other Legendary Creatures. Sweet. cryptozoology! Cool. We're talking cryptids.
1: Very cool. Yes. All right, so come back for that. There's a new issue of Paranormal Underground magazine out. Go to paranormalunderground.net and you can find out more about that. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We will be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in flyover states. Y'all have a great
0: week. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormal And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place, or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.